it's good to see you this evening. Happy Father's Day week. Have you got any of you dads got a good present yet? Have you got any good presents yet? If you are looking for gift ideas, I found a few online. In fact, I got some pictures for you in case you want to know. Let me show you a couple of good gifts that some of y'all may consider. And these are like my favorite for Father's Day. Okay, put the first one up there. This is uh, what uh, I think is like maybe the coolest gift ever, cell phone controlled paper airplane. Does that not like the best gift ever? Okay, let me show you another one. This maybe doesn't work for me, but it might work for you. Uh, this is a shower beer holder. As if you can't get enough beer out of the shower. Uh, anyway, maybe you can put your Diet Pepsi in there. Here's one that I know some of you men would like. You ready? Beef jerky flower display. If you're going to get flowers as a dad, that's it. And then the last one, check this out. I never knew this existed. The official beard bib. John, who did our communion thought here, that's like exactly what, that may be, I don't know, a better Mother's Day gift after this because the moms don't want to pick that stuff up. Well, I don't know, but I bet you in your life, you've discovered that the best gifts that you receive, whether it's Father's Day or any day, usually have nothing to do with the cost of the gift. It has everything to do with the heart of the one who gave you the gift. We're reading this book, Plastic Donuts. If you still haven't read it, please grab one on the way out. If you have, you know what, why Plastic Donuts is Plastic Donuts. But Jeff Anderson, the author, talks about his gift of love from his little girl. And it's not about the cost of the gift, it's about the heart of the one who gave you the gift. I got a little piece of paper with a painted footprint on it for Father's Day from my son Tyler exactly 18 years ago this week. Here's a picture of it, my son's now 25, and that's his little footprint, which is no longer that size. Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a child so small, I'm following in your footsteps and I don't wanna fall. That's a great poem for Father's Day, I'm telling you. Sometimes your steps are very fast, that's true. Sometimes they're hard to see, so walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. June 17th, 2001, love, Tyler. That meant a lot to me when I got it, not because of the value of the paper or the paint, but it came from my son who often followed me in a workaholic dad who was on run fast. And he would say, hey, that maybe you could slow down a little bit, dad, so I could get to know you and follow you. I bet you've received some of these kind of gifts before. Gifts like this or plastic donuts like Jeff Anderson got. Um, I bet you've got a few. You probably kept them. They're reminders that real acceptable giving, as we talked about last week, is measured by the heart and our ability that all of us can give God the Father something, no matter how small it is. And here's what's so cool and so amazing about our ultimate Father, the Heavenly Father. He gives back. When you get something as a dad, you just want to give it. And when I got that, I said, but we're, we're going somewhere, we're going to McDonald's. I mean, we've got to go somewhere. This is too much to celebrate. 
And God the Father is like that with you when you give, when you open up your hands. I'm telling you this, if you get in a giving contest with God, you'll always lose. He's the much bigger and better giver. But this evening, I want to talk to you as we kind of conclude our Plastic Donuts series. I want to talk to you about a lethal virus that's going around Cincinnati in the U.S. that a lot of us struggle with that actually prohibits giving. I'm going to call it the BBS, Bigger Bank or Bigger Barn Syndrome. It's found in Luke 12, verse number 13. I want to read to you the Bigger Bank, Bigger Barn Syndrome. Someone in the crowd said to him, him is Jesus, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. In their day, when a father died, two-thirds of his estate, two-thirds of his money went to the eldest son. The, the gals were out. You didn't get anything. But everybody else divided the rest. So here we have evidently a younger son, sibling, who says, hey, tell my brother, two, he gets two-thirds. That's not fair. I get less. Tell him to give me my share. And Jesus replied, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you, then he said to them, now we're getting ready to get into the BBS now, the bigger barn syndrome. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, Jesus says, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. By the way, it's not, money is not evil, good, or bad. It's not having money that's a sin, it's when money has you. When you think your life consists in the abundance of stuff. And then Jesus, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Notice the BBS syndrome. And there I will store up my surplus, surplus grain. Let me just stop right there. I don't know if you caught how many times he said he himself, I, my crops, my barns. It was all about his. The problem is it never was his. It never will be his. He just holds it for a little while. That's what's so insidious about the bigger barn syndrome or the bigger bank account syndrome. But I'll store up all my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, here's what his self-talk is. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat drink and be merry. But God said to him, it's one of the only times that you'll find in the Bible where God called somebody a fool. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. Jesus kind of gives a summary statement. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The landowner in this parable was suffering from the bigger barn or bigger bank account syndrome. It's a malaise that's common to people in the U.S. whose hearts are affected or infected by greed. I know it's already what some of y'all are thinking, but man, I'm glad I came tonight uh, because he's not talking about me. I can like sit without guilt or impunity. I, I, not, really? Have, have you ever been in your basement or your attic lately? How about that storage unit or two that you own? It's probably full of stuff that couldn't fit in one barn, so you had to rent or build or buy a bigger barn. Some of you are thinking, well, Dave, I know you're talking about me because I don't have a big barn. I got a little barn. I rent my barn. 
I don't have a bank account. I got like a little bank account. I owe the bank. That is why Jesus said to all of us, no matter what our barn or bank account is, watch out, guard against greed. Your life does not consist in the abundance of possession. He said that because everybody, no matter what economic financial status you're on, everybody struggles with greed, the desire to want more than you have. People got zero, they want more. People got a little bit of income, they want middle income. Those who income, middle income, they want what the wealth they have. Everybody, how much is it, wealth does it take to satisfy a person? Rockefeller said one dollar more than he's already got. Everybody struggles with greed. I found that most people define their self-worth by their net worth. We know intuitively that the secret to happiness is not riches, but we don't act on that. See, money won't make you happy, but everybody wants to find out for themselves, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I want to just kind of see. I know that. So God clearly provided this farmer with extra stuff. He had one barn, now he's got more barns, more crops. The question that he and we should be asking is this, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra in my life? What do you want me to do with the extra in my life? So just for kicks, this is going to be painful for you to ask and repeat after me, but I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. You ready? Here we go. Lord, what do you want me to do with my extra? Let's say it again. Lord, what do you want me to do with my extra? Will you pray that prayer? And when you pray that prayer, what you'll find out is that's the beginning of the purge of muchness in your life. And it is the beginning of the remedy for the bigger barn, bigger bank syndrome. It says here in verse 19 that we read, here's what this guy said after he built all these barns, had all this surplus grain and crop. I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy eat, drink, and be merry. I have just described to you what most people, especially outside of the church, but sometimes in the church have as their life goal. I just want to take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And if the story ended there, many of us would consider this guy a role model to emulate, but the story doesn't end there. By the way, nobody's story ends there. Just after this man gets off the phone with his barn makeover experts, he receives some shocking news. He's about to learn the hard way that he will run out of time before he runs out of stuff. I uh, had an interesting exercise this week. It was an eye-opening, it was actually quite a morbid experience, but it's kind of altered my life. Could I share it with you? It's like a website. Somebody put me on this website, deathclock.com. Have you been on here yet? You ought to check it out. Here's what it looks like. It's kind of a, a website where you fill in the fields and it will tell you exactly the day you're gonna die, deathclock.com. So this is gonna show you how it works. We'll do me, for example, okay? So date of birth, uh, I was born in July. So give me July 7, uh, or, or, uh, give me back, there we go, July. Uh, or excuse me, 8th is my birthday, I started wrong. A date of birth, 8th, month of July. My birthday's coming up, by the way, just in case. <laughs> just in case you want to know. Year of birth, anybody want to guess that? Oh, that, some of y'all are really mean. 1961. 1961. July 8th, 1961. I'm a male. 
I'm somewhat normal. No, here's, here's the note. Pessimistic, sadistic, optimistic. What, what would you say I am? Optimistic. Isn't that interesting? You, you will live longer if you're a positive person. I know that's a shock to you. Okay, then the BMI is your body mass index. Now, this may be like TMI for you, too much information. Okay, good thing I lost some weight because I'm about a 27 now on my BMI. Okay, and then you click it to check the clock. Are you ready? This is according to Dave Vaughn. Here's what it looks like. I am going to pass away on Wednesday, July the 2nd, according to this website, all the figures, 2059. And then it starts to count down the seconds that I have left to live. And the clock is running. Is that not sobering to you? You say, well, no, that's not my life. Well, you type in your life. <laughs> and you see what it feels like when the clock starts running on you. Friend, this is sobering to me, and I'll tell you why. It tells me that, you know what, I got more behind me than I got ahead of me. Someday, I'm going to leave it all behind sooner or later. You are too. And I don't need deathclock.com to tell me that. This parable tells me that. And if we're going to leave it all behind when we die, there's one thing that's abundantly clear. We are not the owners. We're only managers. Now, some people among us get to manage more than others, but none of us are owners. So don't feel guilty if you got a lot of barns. God didn't cause this guy to die because he's rich, but because he was selfish. He didn't plan ahead. So don't feel guilty if you have barns. Just feel responsible. I mean, that's what you want your financial advisor to feel, isn't it? Responsible for your money. And when God delivers the bad news to this agricultural entrepreneur, he asks him a question in verse 20 that's loaded with implications for us tonight. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He poses a rhetorical question. And the answer is really kind of obvious. Someone else will get it. Someone else will end up with everything this guy earned, he stored up, and he hoarded. And they're going to get it not because he was generous, but because he's dead. And God calls this guy foolish. It's some pretty strong language because he's me-centered and he's nearsighted. And this is what happens when you fill your life, when you fill your barn with self and stuff and leave nothing to God. What the parable of the rich fool directs our attention to is this obvious but often overlooked reality. Eventually, everything we claim to own will be owned by someone else. That death clock is going to come down to zero in all of our lives, and somebody else is going to own our stuff. By the way, it's Father's Day and uh, weekend. I, I hope that you as a mom or dad are teaching your kids how to handle their money. The best thing you can do is teach them how to manage money. How many of y'all have are trying to do that. How's that working for you? Okay. You want to, here's my current learning on this, by the way, because I'm kind of a tweener now. Uh, I have my money. I, I've taught our kids how to handle their money. And now I'm handling because my mom is growing older and she's in her eighties and in a, a nursing facility. I've been handling my mom's money for a long time since my dad has died. My mom is not able to do that. So here's my current learning on this. It suddenly dawned on me not long ago that when you train your kids how to handle their money, what you're actually training them to handle is your money. Am I right? Because I'm spending my dad's money the way he taught me to spend my money. 
I'm spending my dad's money the way he would want his money spent. Take care of mom, pay your bills, do that. This is a sobering thing because your kids are going to handle your money because it never was your money. It's going to somebody else. It's always been God's money. You're just a steward friend for a while. So it's not a matter of if someone else will get your bucks and your barns. It's a matter of when and how they get your bucks and your barns. I love what the colonel said, Colonel Sanders. That's why my BMI is not the best it could be. Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken said it really well. He said, there's no good reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. (laughs) Isn't that so true? Does it do you any good then? So why are we so hoarding and stingy with this stuff? And that's why Jesus closes out his parable with this very stern warning. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Being rich toward God is just like Jesus talked for being generous toward the work in the kingdom of God. So let me ask you again, why has God provided you with more than you need? Why? Here's a thought. I think God gives you your money and gives you extra not to elevate your standard of living, but your standard of giving. So stop convincing yourself that all of those luxuries are necessities. There is an antidote to bigger barn syndrome. Bigger bank account syndrome. It's called generosity. And here's what I've learned. Generosity will give you everything that money promises you. Money makes a big promise, but it doesn't deliver. Generosity will give you everything that money promises you. It's the antidote for bigger barn syndrome. It's the way God changes our hearts. So figure out from this series, here and now, a time to give generously what you cannot hold on to all of your life. Give generously, figure that out. Fund the kingdom of God. I sign up for e-giving, it's the, I automate the important in my life. I rejoice every Sunday morning when I open up my email and I see a confirmation of my recurring gift to Whitewater Crossing. And this would be like the perfect week for those of you who are not signed up for e-giving to do that because next Thursday, next Sunday, solve seven and our offerings usually take a hit because not everybody's in here all the time. It's a perfect week to sign that up. But by giving to God in my life first, I ensure that God's kingdom is funded ahead of mine. So pick a percent, try anyone. If giving 10% scares you, start with 1%, start with 2%, start somewhere. And then to have as a goal is kind of bump that up every year and watch God work. And suddenly you will realize that greed and that bigger barn syndrome no longer has its grip on you. And generosity is giving you everything that money once promised you. And not only will you be blessed when you do that, not only will the father's heart be blessed, Think how many people will be blessed through our Solve 7 if more people got generous in this church. How many hard-pressed, enslaved, addicted, hungry, lost folks could be reached? Oh, the places, the programs, the people that we could fund and fuel. And our giving bridges the gap between God's provision and the world's pain. How many cars through Wheels Ministry could we provide? How many more meals? How many more lost people could be found? How many more people who are struggling with just their attitude, their anxiety, their emotions? How many people whose lives are counting down second by second could be blessed if our church was more generous? Now, I want to introduce a guy to kind of just close out our time together uh, who knows a thing or two about giving 
uh, and trusting God with time, talent, and treasure. And his name is Ed Hartman. Would you welcome Ed up here to our stage? Come on up here, Ed. You may recognize Ed on TV from... This is Anthony Munoz over here, by the way. <laughs> from Furniture Fair. I, I could be a little taller like Anthony. I asked Ed, who came very gracious, thank you for coming over. He's playing in a golf tournament today, rushed over here, and in the rain, he still came. Came over here sopping wet, and he changed, and he's here. And uh, when we're doing the mic check here, I said, I, and I said, Ed, let me ask you a question. Do you get, have you been teased all your life about being short? I know Anthony really teases you. Yes. But, and, yes, and you've been yes. teased all your life. And I ask him, does that really affect you? I mean, does that really bother you? No, not really. No. He, he said, but I've great, been dealt. He said, use what you got. That's what he said. Use what you got. That's right. So he is small in stature, but huge in influence for God. And I got to meet Ed a while back, uh, ironically, at a golf tournament. And you may recognize him for a furniture fair, but God recognizes this guy for something else. So I thought I would just ask you a couple questions because you, sure. how old are you, by the way? We can ask it. I know we got the countdown clock. Yeah, I was going to say, we're I'm, all telling I, how old we are. I, I think I'm past, but anyway, yes. uh, uh, I'll be uh, 77 this year. 77. Yeah, uh, amen. 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 So, how, Tell us this, uh, this is a short version. How did you become a Christian? Notice how he throws short yeah, version. Yeah, short. I, <laughs> you know, See, it's just it like happens. falling off a log, isn't it? It's like a commercial with Anthony. Tell us the concise version. How did you become a Christian, and how did you get started in this thing called Furniture Fair? Tell us about that. Well, that's hard to do in a short period of time, so I'm going to condense it as best I can. Uh, I was raised by a mom and dad who believed in the golden rule and um, actually was uh, raised Catholic. Uh, my wife uh, uh, was Protestant and she converted to Catholicism and, and then here, and she'll be 77 this year also. Shouldn't tell her when you see her this weekend. Don't Please don't yeah. say that. Okay? We're not going to bring that up. No, let's don't bring that uh, up. I won't tell Betty Joe uh, you told that's me. That's right. No. But, uh, uh, and then, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, we're Christian and, you know, all, I, I know the denominations are important <clears throat> to some people, but to me, we're all under one God. Right. So what's and in that's, your heart? that's what it's right here. And uh, so um, they believe to help and give back. And that's what I learned. Uh, they always were there to help me. And my father always used to say, and I probably shouldn't say the word killing, but he, all, he always said, Edward, kill him with kindness. Hmm. And I couldn't kill him with anything else, you know. I may be the David, you know, <laughs> and the, in the, with Goliath. But uh, I always kept that close to my heart. And uh, walking through life with a smile is a lot easier to do. And uh, uh, it's been tough sometime, as we all have to do, uh, to get through life and to keep smiling. Um, uh, we... Uh, like all of you, I'll bring this up shortly and try to make it short. Um, uh, my wife and I have uh, been married for 52 years, mm. and uh, um, I'm a veteran from the United States Air Force, uh, spent time in... Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, um, and spent time in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, 
all around that part of the world back when I was in it uh, was troubled, but not like it was today. Uh, but I set up with a group of people, airmen, to give to an orphanage in Pakistan. So we all wrote back to our parents uh, and said, please send clothes, sports equipment. And six of us set up uh, in an orphanage in Peshawar, Pakistan, a sports program. And then things came in, clothing, hygiene products, or everything. So we wanted to leave something as we left that area, very poor area, very, very poor. Uh, as I came back, uh, married, um, and uh, we have two sons. Uh, one uh, lives in the area, another one lives in London, England, and he's been over there. We have two grandchildren there. And then the other son uh, has uh, four children, so we, we currently are raising those four grandkids, 12, 13, 14 uh, are girls. And, um, and that's the 16-year-old, which David has, has met, um, is a boy. But um, we've had all this. We've had them in our house. Uh, it wasn't something that we thought, um, and it all kind of goes with generosity. You know, we were going to retire 10 years ago and travel and all that stuff. And then when God got up from the floor laughing, he said, here's what you're going to do. <laughs> And that's the way life that. is, David, right? I love that. So, you know, we, we knew we had to do this. And it, it really bothered me when close friends would say, I wouldn't raise them, not me. And I said, how can you do that when I go out in the world to try to help as many people as I can? So these kids, I tried to, um, you know, I, I sit down with them all the time. Uh, they're, they're great kids. They're, they love God. They love coming to church. Um, but what they had to go through is a struggle. Um, the oldest girl, uh, day before her third birthday, she's 14 now, be 15, had lymphoblastic leukemia, was diagnosed. Mm. We had to deal with that. Uh, we had to deal with other stuff. And then my wife got sick, had a stroke back in 07. The year before, she had an Achilles that she was took five years to heal from the surgery. And I, I said to God, my cup is full. It really is. It's running over. He didn't think so. So we kept going on, and uh, we've even had more struggles recently. And the missus uh, had the heart surgery, had a valve replaced, and it went well, and then she had a stroke. This guy was here. <laughs> He's known at every hospital around because... I didn't think they'd let anybody back in where he got in, but I tell you, David was there, and he prayed, you know, and he prayed with us before the surgery. Well, she got home about a week, and then she had a stroke again. Uh, she's coming out of it. She's doing very well, but what I'm getting at is God has blessed us in so many ways, and I think, Why? Because I was about to give up back in 07, I really was, and, and thinking the Lord did not um, put me in a good place. But you know what? He did, because he made me to think, I didn't stop giving. I didn't personally stop giving, but what I do for the, I don't own furniture fair, and you want to know about furniture, I've been there almost 30 years, I've been 50 years in the furniture business, but I tell the owners, you got to give back. And that's my opportunity 
to say, I mean, give back. So we get involved with the Red Cross. We just help people up in Dayton. We gave money. We got mattresses going to them. I work with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society because of my granddaughter. In the last 10 years, we've raised $1.4 million for that organization. Amen. There are so many other things. The Anthony Munoz Foundation. I love to take other people's money and give it. And give it to people that need it. That's what I do. I love it too. I know. No. And I could get on another subject. It would take more than 10 minutes about other preachers that don't want to give. But anyway, um, what I'm trying to get at is I really believe God put me on this earth to help other people have a better life. And whether it's helping the inner city kids or whether it's a foundation that I'm going to start with my wife and the papers are at the state. It's, it's called the Hartman Foundation, very simple. But it's grandparents who are raising grandkids, grandparenting from the heart. Hmm. It's, there's so many of us that are raising our grandkids and no one knows what to do, who, who to get support from or whatever. But I really believe the things that David has said, because I read this book, uh, Rich Towards God, and it's by Craig Hood, I believe. And everything that David went over with you is there. And it's, you trust in God. You've got to put your trust. I'm so blessed. Um, I've got good health. My wife is getting better. The kids are getting better. They're getting older. They love God. And they show me every single day that they do. So, and you can advance God's kingdom by giving back. That's, I wouldn't have met this guy if it wasn't for where we were at, at a function of fundraising to give back. And they'll say, oh, where are you going tonight? Is it this golf? I, I said, well, I'm going to go out and I've, I'm going to be at a church and we're going to talk about what? And I said, yes, let me, look, you want me to tell you about it? So it gives me the opportunity to talk about my faith. And I know I said to my pastor, I don't, I don't, you know, I just got so much, I can't help. He said, Ed, you can't believe how much you do and how much you touch people's heart. Um, I work with City Gospel Mission in Cincinnati, and I work with so many other organizations because I believe that's what I'm here to help. And if it's through God, I'm doing all this. And as I get older, that stuff doesn't mean anything that we're talking about. It really doesn't. Even all my Eddie Bears that I've collected over the years. doesn't mean a thing. But the love I have for God grows and grows. The love that I have for my family grows and grows. That's what's important to me. The furniture business has been my life, but it's also been a life that God has come into. And I believe I, he gave me this little angel that sits up here. Because I've been in some pretty tough places. Uh, but um, I'm proud to be here. I love you, David. Thank, Thank you. you again. All Thank right. you all, awesome. and we'll see you. Awesome. Good job, buddy. Good job. Thank you. Take that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you never knew, did you? Watching all those furniture fair with him and Anthony. I mean, what a great guy. Jesus, I, I, you know what? Shorter people are more godly because Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and God is with him. And I, I'm proud to call him my friend. I'm telling you, you will never, ever look back and regret anything that you gave. So I'm going to ask you, as a result of this series, to commit 
to a donut challenge for the next six weeks. A donut challenge. Not how many donuts you can eat. I know some of you say, oh, I'm all about that. Okay? We have a plastic donut for every single person here. It's going to be up here in these buckets here in just a minute when we dismiss. I'm asking you for the next six weeks to start giving something back to God. If you're giving zero, it's time to start up. Maybe it's just like a dollar a day. Maybe it's a dollar a week. Some of us are going to Starbucks, which I call four bucks, okay? Man, you can give that up, give that to God, okay? Bridge the gap between God's provision and the world's pain. If you're behind in your giving, catch up for the next six weeks. If you've been blessed, like a lot of us have, go up a percentage with the extra that you have from your barn. So I know that a lot of people in our church who are brand new, they look around at this wonderful facility that God has given us, and they'll look around and say something like, you know what, I don't think this church needs my money. They look like they're doing pretty good. Don't let that fool you. We have an excellent building. It's not extravagant, but it's excellent. But it's here, and we're paying for it because it's making a difference in people's lives. Hospitals cost a lot to build, and they save thousands of people's lives. Schools cost a lot. I don't know if you noticed lately, school buildings cost, but they educate thousands of people. Stadiums in Cincinnati cost millions of dollars to build. Of our taxpayer money and other things, millions are entertained, thousands entertained. Is not the local church and its mission more important than any of those things? Because we deal with eternity. And churches are a lot cheaper to build than prisons. I'll tell you that right now. So I want this to be used as a time of commitment for you when you leave. You need kind of like a physical reminder of a financial commitment. Most of my giving goes to Whitewater, but I have been supporting over the last few years a young preacher in India who's under great persecution along with a lot of people through Jay Henry, a missionary hero of mine. I have a picture of that young man and his family that I support in my office to remind me why I give. I've never met him, may not ever meet him, but I need a reminder. And that's what this donut is. It's a physical reminder that I took a challenge at least for six weeks, and I'm asking you to come up and grab one of those donuts and join the donut club. If nothing else, take a donut and pray. If you could just do that. And so we'll check back with you and us in about six weeks and see what God did through our plastic donut challenge. Our prayer team is going to be up here uh, on the sides as normal, but uh, we have some children, uh, some of our precious children, and that's so important how appropriate that a child's gift of a plastic donut started this whole thing. So I encourage you after we stand and pray in a minute, line up, get a donut, do not let us down. That's That's going to be my phrase. If you're here and you're brand new, that three after will be here. Next Thursday night, we are all assembling at Solve 7 Week and Weekend on Sunday, but we will gather here next Thursday night at 6.30, just like we have here. The Solve 7 starts here, and so we're going to be doing some staging and getting things ready for the Sunday activity. But come in here, we'll just be in here for a few minutes next Thursday night, 6.30, then we'll do our own Solve 7 stuff, and then the Sunday starts as well. You can sign up online for that. Let me have you stand. Let's pray. Fathers, our precious kids come forward. We're thankful for the gifts that you have given us as your children on this Father's Day week. I thank you for Ed Hartman. God, what a blessing he is to Cincinnati. 
And I pray it an abundant blessing on him as he has learned these lessons already and now has encouraged us to follow the same. I pray for continued healing for his children, his family, his grandchildren, his wife, uh, Betty. And I pray, God, that you would help our church to be known for generosity. May we take one of these donuts. May we start writing checks. May we sign up for e-giving, knowing that we are just a conduit and we can't take it with us. God, help us to get rid of this disease, this sickness of the, of the more of our life. Help us, God, not to suffer from that bigger barn syndrome, that bigger bank account pursuit syndrome. Help us, God, to trust you and watch you give back to us so that we can be a blessing. So I thank you for each person here tonight, each person watching online. I pray that we would be the church working right. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, again, thanks for joining us online today. You'll see links in the notes or the comments section to be able to let us know who you are if you're newer around here and to give generously online if you call Whitewater home. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.